Amen. This morning again, let me invite your attention to Second Chronicles chapter 20. When my plan is to trust God. I think about this title, I think about this message, and here's the state of life for many of us in this room and many people watching. And uh, Many of us today, we find ourselves at a fork in the road. We know that we've got to make a decision. We can't just sit there. We've got to go one way or the other. But the truth of the matter is for many of us in this room and watching, we don't know what to do. And so because we don't know what to do, we find ourselves at times tired, stressed out, and overwhelmed. God, what do I do? I just don't know what to do. Do I go this way or do I go this way? And then you and I live in a land where we have so much of pretty much everything. We have so much news 24-7. We get so many emails and text messages. We have so much social media, various platforms that just inundate our lives. We have so much work. Many of us have a hard time turning it off. We find ourselves with lots of emotions going on in life. And then again, we just come to the Lord at times or just in life. I just don't know what to do. What should I do? How should I handle this situation? It's a group of guys. One time you think about life changing. They went to their 70th class reunion. They were in their 80s, and life had slowed down for them a lot, so there's only six of them left. And so they meet, and they have their class reunion. As they're there, one of the gentlemen, he speaks up, and he says, Boy, life for me sure has slowed down a lot. I don't, I'm just not able to do the things I used to do at all. And he said, In fact, I, I can't see anymore. I can't hear anymore. But thank God I can still drive. And... Uh, <laughs> I think I met that guy driving down Wilma Rudolph the other day, by the way, too. But, but sometimes in life, just bring to this place and we're thinking, Lord, I'm just tired. Lord, I'm stressed out. I'm overwhelmed by the situations that I'm coming up against in life. And I just don't know what to do in life. Anybody find themselves there this morning? So we come to Second Chronicles 20. We're going to be introduced to a guy by the name of Jehoshaphat. I, I don't know what the people called him. Sometimes when people have big names like that, we call somebody J-Mac or something. Maybe they called him J-Fat. I don't know. Hey, J-Fat, what, what do you mean by this? I'm not for sure. But he was a leader. He was a leader on mission. In fact, the Bible talks about he dealt with false worship in Second Chronicles 19. The Bible says this in verse 3, Nevertheless, there's, again, Jehu speaking into his life. Some good is found in you, for you have destroyed the Asheroth out, out of the land and have set your heart to seek God. It's a great compliment about Jehoshaphat's life. You have dealt with false worship and you seek to be a true worshiper because you've set your heart to seek God. As a leader, but also as a believer, as a follower of Christ, would somebody say that about your life, that you have set your heart to seek the Lord God in your life? And then if that's not enough, he was a leader because in verse 4, 2 Chronicles 19, Jehoshaphat lived at Jerusalem, and he went out again among the people from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim and brought them back to the Lord, the God of their fathers. He was a leader that was among the people. He didn't stay in Jerusalem. He got out there where the people were at. So he's relating with people, even in small towns and areas. And what is he doing? He's worshiping the true and living God, seeking him. But also he's bringing the people back to the Lord God, the God of their fathers. So he is someone who's seeking to bring renewal, refreshment, and even revitalization to the people again. Great spiritual leader. 
And then we come to this point in Second Chronicles chapter 20, and then it opens in this passage, it says, after this, after this what? After he had sought the Lord, also after he was seeking to bring the people back to the Lord God again, something is going to happen. So word is that we see in Scripture is going to come to him, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and then the Munites, they're going to come against him, the Bible says. They came against Jehoshaphat for battle. And so here he is seeking to honor God, seeking God with his life. Here he is seeking to lead the people of God back to him again with renewal. And then here are the enemies coming against him for battle. They want to do battle with God's man, God's leader. And then it says this, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom and beyond the sea. That is the Dead Sea. Many of us have been there. We've seen that. But also Hazion Tamar, that is En Gedi. We've been there as well. So you've got the Dead Sea. You've got En Gedi here. And here is Jehoshaphat dealing with these enemies who are coming against him. I promise you this. That when you make a commitment in your life that you're going to worship the true and living God. And you make a commitment that you're going to be a spiritual leader, that you're going to lead the people of God back to him and experience him again, that he is first, foremost in everything. When you do that, be ready because the enemy is going to come against you. We can all have a story after this when we seek to honor God but also lead people to experience him. After this, the enemy is going to come. And, and you say, well, what kind of battles, enemy, what, what are we dealing with in our day? Here's some things I know. In our day, we, we understand many people, even in this worship gathering, in the room or watching, maybe you're dealing with money issues. I mean, you have a job, you're making money, but money is tight. Inflation is high. And you look at it and it's just not going as far as it used to. And maybe your job is a little bit in question. And so you're finding yourself facing stress and tension in your marriage and family because of financial issues. And you're finding yourself saying, what are we going to do with the financial situation we're facing? Could be many folks in this room are watching. You're dealing with mental challenges. You look at your life and your calendar literally is filled. It's overextended. There's no margin in your life. You look at your life and your walk with God and you say it's dry, it's lacking, something is missing in your relationship with him. You look at life and you say everyone else in life seems to get all the breaks. Nothing seems to come my way. Then you find yourself dealing with depression, anxiety, all the different emotions that we may go through at times. And you're looking at all this in life and you say, I just don't know what to do in life. How do I handle this situation? And then as a church, we find ourselves this morning in this place. We, we look at what God's doing in and through our lives and the fellowship of his church. And, and we look and we say, God, we need more workers. We need more people who are going to step up and say, God has saved me and he's left me here that I can serve. We need more people engaged in various ministries in our church. God, we also look at our church and, and we realize this, that we, we need direction and guidance about facilities in our church. And what are we going to do with the different buildings so that we will be faithful to you, but also good stewards of the resources you've trusted us with? God, we also know as a church, we need to see an increase in tithes and offerings. Our giving this year is higher than it was last year. But when it comes to budget giving, we still need to be, uh, we need to see an increase in that. So God, what are we going to do? When it comes to the mission and vision, we need to be laser focused on what God has called us to do. 
to be about the great commandment, loving him and loving one another, to be about the great commission, making disciples to the ends of the earth. And God, we want to make sure as a church we're laser focused that we worship you, we love people, we share Jesus, we make disciples. How do we do that as a church? Other times we just don't know what to do. And so what do you and I do when life puts us in a position and we say our back is against the wall, we're facing a crisis, the enemy is coming against us, and God, we just don't know what to do in life. How do we respond to that? We find ourselves, again, tired, exhausted, stressed out, overwhelmed. What do you do when that's the case in your life, in your marriage, family, but even as a church? Second Chronicles 20 gives us insight to that because our plan is to trust God. And he's going to be faithful. So what I want to do, I want to walk through here for the next few minutes on your outline, give you three insights about when you're tired, you're stressed out, you're overwhelmed, you don't know what to do. What do you do in the midst of that? Look at number one, you seek God's help. And when you do that, you seek the help of God. Again, Jehoshaphat's a great leader. He's worshiping the true and living God. He's leading the people back to, uh, to Almighty God again. This in, the enemies are coming against him. And what is he going to do? The Bible's going to say again and again, he is going to seek the Lord. He's going to be faithful to seek God in the midst of that. Now, as we think about that, there are some words for you and me that are very difficult for us to explain and even say. Uh, it's hard for many people in this room, maybe some of you watching, to say, I am sorry. It's hard to say I was wrong. It's hard for many of us in this room. We talked about this in staff meeting the other day for quite some time to say these three words to someone, I love you. But, but I'm here to say again today in this room that if you will say those words to somebody, meaning them, showing them, but also saying it, change somebody's life. There's somebody in your life who longs to hear you say those three words to him or her, I love you. But also it's very difficult for us at times because we find ourselves with pride and egos come before somebody, even before the Lord, but to say, I need help. That's difficult to do. I remember when I first became your pastor, I sat down with Pat Van Dyke. I appreciate Pat. Served the Lord Jesus in this church for a long time. And, and I applaud him for that. I thank God for his faithfulness, him and Suzanne. But when I sat down with him that day, I looked at him across the table and just said, Pat, I'm going to say three words to you as I serve as pastor here that are genuine for me because then here's what they are. I need help. I need you in ministry. If we're going to love this church, provide pastoral care, I need help. Those are hard words for many people to say, especially us as men. But you find in this context, Jehoshaphat, the people he was leading, the enemies are coming against him. He finds his back against the wall. He, he's not really clear what to do, but the text is extremely clear in this context. It's in Jehoshaphat was afraid. You may find yourself this morning afraid of what's going on. That's just an emotion that's overwhelming to you. You're afraid about the status of your life and what's going on. But he says he was afraid, but he set his face to seek the Lord. And he went on to say, he proclaimed this fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. All the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. They are seeking the Lord. They needed his help. And they were honest about that. 
So let me ask you again. You're, you're tired, you're stressed out, you're overwhelmed, your back is against the wall, you're facing a major crisis, you simply don't know what to do. How do you respond to, to the Lord in the midst of that? You just seek His help. Look at number one, consider the options. If you find yourself tired, stressed out, overwhelmed, exhausted, you have options. Look at the first one, it's whine. There are many people when that happens to them in life, they just whine. They thought, you know, I never get any breaks in life. Life is unfair. God doesn't really care for me. Everyone else seems to get all the breaks in life. And so we just whine. Rather than seeking the Lord, we whine about our pitiful situation. And that's not what God wants us to do. Number two is we walk away. We find our backs against the wall. We're overwhelmed. We're frustrated. We're exhausted. And what do we do? We look at it and say, I just can't take anymore. I don't have anything left to give. I quit. I walk away. I'm not going to do this anymore. Many people go that direction when they're overwhelmed in life. Look at number three. You worry. How many people find themselves, their backs against the wall, facing a crisis? The enemy is coming against them. They don't know what to do. And what do they say? I just can't sleep at night. I don't have an appetite to eat anymore. I think I'm having a nervous breakdown. I need to see a counselor. I need to take medication. And we find ourselves, rather than worshiping God, we worry in life. And then look at number four, we worship. We find ourselves coming before God and we say, God, I'm not going to whine. God, I'm not going to walk away. God, I'm not going to worry, but I am going to worship. Because God, I know this, that you love me and you love us. God, I know this. I know that you're never going to walk away from me. You're never going to walk away from us. God, I know this. I seek help from you because you're the one who can help us. And God, I'm willing to come before you and we're willing to come before you in honesty and just say, Lord, we need help in life. That's worship, not all those other things. That's exactly what Jehoshaphat was doing. He gathered the people of Judah. They came before God and they're seeking God. Why? Because they need help. Here's what I know about our nation. If we want to see God do something in our nation, if our leaders would put away politics and differences and call us to come before Almighty God and seek His help, we would see God move in this nation. And that's leadership, by the way, if we would see that. And somewhere we're going to see God move in our country. We've got to put those differences aside and just say our help comes from God and we seek him. And so as you look at this, one is they just consider the options. We're going to worship and not worry those other things. Number two, talk with God. As you look at your life, Jehoshaphat here, he had a conversation with God. And then he stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And he goes through this prayer. And what is he doing? He knew how to have a conversation with God. He prayed to God as a first response, not as a last resort. And so when Jehoshaphat prayed, he remembered the greatness of God, but he also remembered, God, here's what you've done in the past. Here is our need, and God, we seek you in our lives. Do you know how to pray? When's the last time you asked the Lord Jesus Christ to teach you how to pray, how to have a conversation with him? In your life, your marriage, your family, us as a church, if we're going to see a breakthrough... We stand at this fork in the road and God, we don't know what to do. If we're going to find direction and guidance, then we need to know how to talk with God in life. We seek him again, not as a last resort. God, we've tried everything else and we don't know anything else to do. So we're going to turn to you. No, we seek him first in life. 
And I just want to encourage you, when you find yourself having a conversation with God, please understand this. Here's what Jehoshaphat and them were doing. When they prayed, they were praying for the will of God to be known. As you and I pray, we should never pray with the mindset that we're going to tell God what to do. God, we don't know what to do, so that's why we're praying. We want to hear a word from you. Just evaluate your prayers. Record your prayers sometime and listen to them back again. Are you trying to tell God what to do or do you want to know what God wants you to do? It's eye-opening at times when you do that. Because in this text, gather the people together. They're seeking the Lord for help. And they're having a conversation with him. Jehoshaphat is leading the way. God, your greatness is evident. Here's how you've worked in the past. And God, we've got these enemies coming against us. We don't know what to do, but we're seeking you. And and let me say to us today as a church, when we get to a place in life and we think, God, we don't know what to do to get more workers. And God, we don't know what to do to see an increase in tithes and offerings. And God, we don't know what to do when it comes to facilities and how we're going to do all that. Let me say that is not a bad place to be in life. In fact, that is a good place to be in life because we're saying, God, we don't know what to do, but we're seeking you for direction. We're not telling you what to do. God, we just want to hear from you so that we can do your will in our midst. That's a good place to be in life. And so if you find yourself there as an individual, as a couple, as a family, We find ourselves there as a church. That's not a bad place to be. That's a good place to be because we're going to be dependent upon him and use that as a teachable moment to people around you to say there are going to be times in life we just don't know what to do, but we're going to seek God in the midst of that. We need his help. Look at number two. Understand God's perspective. When you think about perspective, we understand this economy. We realize that there are plenty of jobs out there. Everywhere, every corner you go around, somebody's looking to hire somebody. But we also know this, that we know money is not going as far as it used to. You go to the grocery store, you're going to spend more than you may have ever spent in your life. Uh, Angie and I are trying to buy tires on the car. We can't even get over the increase of the cost of tires from just a few years ago. Are you kidding me? They've gone up that much. Uh, you try to do some other things with your money, and you're going to see it's difficult. Stop market down. Don't look at your retirement account. It may not be easy to, to take that somewhere. Real estate prices seem to be going down some as well. Inflation's higher than it's ever been. And then we hear all these experts talking about their perspective. Here's what's happening in the economy. Here's what you can expect in the next three months, six months, or a year. But when I think about all that's going on in our economy, is anyone seeking to find God's perspective in the midst of that? What does God say about debt? What does God say about greed? What does God say about materialism? Are we seeking God in the midst of any of this because we need to know his perspective? Now, when you look at this, you look at Jehoshaphat here in 2 Chronicles 20, you understand here's what they're facing. They're worshiping the true and living God. They're seeking to bring renewal back to the people. These enemies are going to come against them. And they're facing this crisis. They've called a fast. People are giving up stuff to spend more time with God. And here their eyes are on the Lord. They just don't know what to do. And they're trying to understand things from the perspective of God in life. And if you're going to do that, let me give you some things you're going to have to do. Number one is to confront pride. Uh, you, you can't be prideful and seek the heart of God. 
Because here's what happens with pride. Pride will limit the grace of God in your life. Pride will limit worship of Almighty God in your life. Pride will limit freedom of God in your life as well. You have to be careful. Pride goes before a fall. He's not looking for a prideful spirit. He's looking for an humble response to him. And when you look at Jehoshaphat, he's not a prideful man because he comes before God after all this time. And he says, for we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. That's not a prideful spirit. That is a, a heart of humility. God, these people are coming against us, this great horde. We don't know what to do. We're powerless in their midst. Have you ever found yourself in life? Have we ever found ourselves as a church powerless and say, God, we don't know what to do? When we were flying back from South Asia, we were on a flight and literally just a, a row up right across from us. As a mom and dad on this airplane had a young toddler son and he was screaming to the top of his lungs. And that mom and dad, for probably an hour or so, did everything they knew to do to get their son to quieten down on that flight. They were powerless as parents because nothing they tried, electronic devices, food, changing seats, you name it, they tried everything. Nothing worked in the midst of that. They were powerless. Have you found yourself in that situation? Everything you tried did not work. Everything we tried as a church did not work. It is wonderful to come before God and say, God, we're not prideful. We want to be people of humility. We are powerless. We don't know what to do. Jehoshaphat is leading that way, and he says to them, we're just powerless here against this great horde that is coming against us. And then he says this, we don't know what to do. But then I love his next statement. God, we're powerless. We don't know what to do against these great people coming against us, but our eyes are upon you. You may find yourself here today are worshiping online and you need to admit in your life God I'm tired I'm stressed out I'm overwhelmed maybe you need to come before a holy God who knows all things and say God I confess that I or we we don't know what to do but then you come with this prayer surrender and say Lord, all those emotions are real in our lives, in my life. And God, honestly, we don't have a clue what to do. But you come to that point of surrender and say, but Lord, here's the, here's the truth. Our eyes are upon you. We're looking to you. We want your will. We're seeking your direction. That's where we find ourselves at. God, we're seeking you. That's not whining. That's not walking away. That's not worrying. That is worship. It's not prideful. It's a heart of humility. God, we're tired. We're exhausted. But Lord, we don't know what to do. But Lord, our eyes are upon you. Number two, model leadership. When I look at this text, I see what he said. And then in verse 13, Meanwhile, all Judah, talking about all the men of Judah, stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Imagine this, Jehoshaphat leading the people. Enemies are coming against them. Uh, they're just overwhelmed. They don't know what to do. and, and They feel powerless in this situation. And, 
And they confess to God, they don't know what to do, but their eyes are upon him. And then all the men come together and they stand together with their wives and little children and they're seeking the Lord. When I look around at churches, I see many churches plateau declining. I look around at many churches, there's a lack of spiritual growth in the lives of churches. Many churches lack numerical growth. They're not baptizing anyone, not making disciples. I see many churches, there's a lack of leadership. People aren't stepping up to serve. And when I look at this text in Second Chronicles 20, I just encourage men in this church, stand up, show up, and serve. We need men in the fellowship of this church to be spiritual leaders in this congregation. We're getting ready to go through a deacon selection process. We need godly men to serve as deacons in the fellowship of this church. I promise you this as well, from the preschool ministry to the kids' ministry to the student ministry, there is a great need in this church for godly, devoted, dedicated men to step up and say, God, use me in these generations of people. We need godly men who are willing to stand up and say, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And so, men, I just challenge you today. One, tell your families with your lifestyle, but also your words, how much you love them, but also model for them servant, godly leadership. Let your wife, your kids see you serving the Lord and leading out in the fellowship of his church. We need godly men to step up and serve. That's happening in Second Chronicles 20. So the pride is dealt with. It's the heart of humility. God, we don't know what to do. Our eyes are upon you. Modeling leadership, men stepping forth and leading their families in obedience to seek God in life. Then number three, trust God's promises. When you look at this text and you think, okay, if I seek the Lord God and his help, what am I doing? Well, you're worshiping God. If I seek to understand life from his perspective, what am I doing? You're worshiping almighty God. And if I, if I come to trust the promises of God because the Bible is filled with thousands of promises, if I do that, what am I doing? What do you do? You're, you're, you're worshiping God when you do that. And so if we're going to see God move, we trust the promises of God. Look at number one, anticipate difficulties. Uh, again, I just challenge you. When you seek to be obedient to God and you seek to be faithful to him, and you lead other people to be faithful to him. You can anticipate difficulties coming your way. The enemy is not going to sit back and do nothing. He's going to come against you. Second Timothy chapter 3, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Anticipate difficulties. Jehoshaphat knew that enemies were coming against him. Number two, release control. When you get to that point in your life, you have to release control of your life. You anticipate difficulties. You release control. Look on down and we see in this text in verse 15 and right before 16, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed at this great horde for the battle is not yours, but God's. Somewhere you have to give up control. The battle is not yours. The battle is God's. Somewhere we have to get over the fact, God, I'm carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. I'm carrying the weight of the church on my shoulders. No, you don't have to do that because the battle is not yours. The battle is God's. And when you release control, here's what I know. With 100% accuracy, our Heavenly Father has never, ever lost a battle. And I say this with 100% accuracy again. I have read the end of the story in this book, and I promise you the devil loses and we win because he is victor in life. He never loses a battle. 
And so at times we get to the point we think the battle is ours. No, the battle is not ours. The battle is his. We release control of that to him. God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. It's exactly what Jehoshaphat's leading the people of God to do. You anticipate difficulties. The enemy is going to come. You release control. The battle is not yours. The battle is God's. He's never lost a battle. He's going to be faithful to every promise he's made. Number three, pursue faith. Because God reminds him in this text, he says, what? You can do this. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. You can pursue me because I am with you in the midst of this battle. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to walk out of your life. I'm not going to let you be defeated. I'm not going to let you fail. I'm going to be with you. Why? Because I'm going to fight this battle for you. But you've got to live by faith and not by sight. Because God's getting ready to come up with a strategy that makes no sense when it comes to military strategy whatsoever. But that's how the Heavenly Father works. Number four, offer thanks. Now here's what God's strategy is to the people. Now you're going to go out there and you're going to fight these enemies. But I don't want the people who have weapons of war to be on the front line. I want the choir to be on the front line. I'm going to put the singers out there. I'm going to put the musicians out there. And they're going to get robed up and they're, they're attired and they're going to go out there and what are they going to do? They're going to start singing. And they're not going to sing any song. They're going to sing what? Give thanks to the Lord, his steadfast love endures forever. What a great word. We need to be giving thanks to God. Why? Because the love of God never ends for us. His steadfast love endures forever. As you and I sing to Almighty God, we need to sing about him and sing to him. And again, a lot of Christian songs I don't really listen to because they're so inundated with I, me, or my. You just have to be careful about those. Why? Because we sing to God. We sing about him, his greatness, his faithfulness, his, his amazing grace in our lives. And God says, here's how it's going to work. You get out there on the front lines. You put the choir, the worship team, you put the instrumentalists out there and you let them start giving thanks to me, proclaiming that my steadfast love endures forever and you watch me work in the midst of that. Amazing to see God. We would have never come up with that strategy in our lives at all. But God puts the choir, the singers, the musicians, the worship on the front lines. And then number five, you worship God. What happens in that? I love this text because then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. All Judah and heavens of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And what did they do? They stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a loud voice. Early in the morning they rose. They go out there and it says they put all of them out there. You're going to find success. You're going to be stable out there. And then they're singing, they're praising. And when they began to sing and praise the Lord, he sent an ambush against the men of all these different places. And their enemies were defeated when they started praising the Lord, worshiping the Lord. God moved. But see, many times in life, we think we have to help God out. God's saying, I'm not asking you to help me out. I just want you to be obedient to me. I want you to release control. I want you to give thanks to me. And then I want you to worship me. And when you start worshiping me in spirit and truth, your enemies are going to fall. Because I'm not going to lose a battle. We're going to be victorious. You may face some difficult times and people, but you're not going to be defeated. Victory is mine. And so I wonder in this room today and those who are watching, 
When my plan is to trust God, I wonder how many of you, you find yourself, even today, you find yourself tired, you find yourself stressed out, you find yourself overwhelmed. You find yourself in a place where you say, God, I'm powerless. I've tried everything, nothing seems to be working. We'll release control, give up, give it to him. And then you need to come and say, Lord, I want to make sure first and foremost, I've given you my heart and life because you want to be my Savior in life. Jesus Christ lived a perfect, sinless life, died on the cross, gave his life, buried but raised on the third day. He is alive. I need to make sure that I am saved. I'm right with him. Do you know Jesus Christ in your life? Then are you living obedient life to him? Do you need to be baptized? Join the fellowship of this church? So obey the leadership of Christ in your life. But also, how many of us just need to come and say, God, I'm overwhelmed, I'm stressed out, I'm exhausted in life, I'm tired, but God, I need to make sure I start worshiping and praising you. Because the battle is not mine, God, the battle is yours. And then here's what I ask many of us in this room, even in this invitation. Who is it in your life that you need to go to today and say these words to? I want you to know how much I love you. I thank God for you. you. God has used you to change my life. And I just want to thank God for you. And I want you to know with these three words, it takes a lot of courage, humility, but I want you to know how much I love you, who you are. Who do you need to say that to? And then I want to how many individuals, how many couples, how many families, how many of us as a church just need to come together this morning, standing before a, a righteous, holy God, and just say, God, honestly, we find our backs against the wall. And God, we, we don't know what to do. Lord, our eyes are upon you. And we just come before him, individuals, couples, families, even to the church, and we say, God, we need help. We need help. That is worship. We surrender to him. And we do so because of his amazing grace. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed as we prepare to sing. Our pastoral team is going to be here in front. Prayer team is going to be here on each side as well. You're watching online. There's a platform for you to respond. We'd love for you to respond to us. We'd love to have a conversation with you and help you. But I wanted this morning in this invitation. How many of you need to go to someone again? Spouse child, grandchild, parent, grandparent and just say this morning the amazing grace of God has changed my life and I want you to know today because I want to show you but also I want to tell you how much I love you and thank God for you those words could change someone's life right here today maybe you send it by text if you're not able to do it in person email, whatever it may be. You send a message somehow to say, I want you to know how much I love you and I thank God for you. And then I want to ask you, how many of us individuals, how many couples, how many families, even us as a church, it's a great place to be. We need to come to this altar and get on our knees before the Lord and just say to him, Lord, I or we need and our eyes are upon you and we come to you. And God, your time, your plan, your way, you'll, you'll show us the help because the battle is yours, it's not ours. I'm giving it to you. How many of us need to do that this morning? 
then if you need to give your life to Christ, you need to follow him in baptism, you want to join the fellowship of this church, God's calling you into Christian ministry and you want to obey him, we encourage you to step out, walk down one of the aisles, and we'd love to celebrate, pray, and counsel you on how to be obedient to Christ. We do all that because of his amazing grace. So, Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for giving your life for us. Thank you that the tomb is empty and you're alive. Thank you the battle is yours and not ours. Thank you that we have victory in you. Thank you for your faithfulness. And, Lord, in this invitation, we come to you. We don't merely come to another person. We come to you and we ask you to find victory and grace and transformation we desire to find in you today. So we pray this because of your amazing grace. And I pray this today in Jesus' name.